0: If you can't take the fact that there's a serious side to Frank and there's a satirical and humorous side to Frank, then I don't know what to tell you.
1: Welcome to the Trailblazers and Troublemakers podcast. I'm your host, Scott Costin. My guest today is the managing editor of Frank Magazine, a print and online publication that's held Nova Scotia's rich and powerful to account for more than three decades. Andrew Douglas, thanks for joining me today.
0: Glad to be here, Scott.
1: So, Andrew, can you just tell listeners a bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I grew up in New Glasgow. Um, I graduated from New Glasgow High School. a long time ago, 26 years ago or something, 1995. I uh, I was in music uh, all of my school life, flirted with making that a career. I went to Saint-Evex for a year and a half, majoring in jazz trumpet. Uh, it took me about 10 minutes while I was there to realize that uh, it had to be a lot better than I was uh, in order to make a, make a go of it. Not that you could ever make a living doing that. Uh, well, I mean, education and whatnot but
1: uh well chet chet baker made a pretty good living chet baker did pretty
0: well you know yeah exactly uh miles davis did it even better disney gillespie uh but uh, anyway yeah uh and then uh and then i stumbled into uh the nsdc radio and television program um so i went from one one uh pursuit where i didn't have a hope of making any money straight into uh, studying radio. So, uh, so I, so I'm really, I'm really in it for the paycheck. Scott is, is absolutely. The <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I tooled around in radio after I graduated for, for uh, for time, uh, in Glasgow, St. John. Um, and, uh, and then I finally got tired of uh, morning radio, the hours, and, uh, I ended up leaving, uh, my last radio job and, uh, unemployed for a while. And then I stumbled into Frank.
1: When was that that
0: you started off at Frank? Two thousand
1: five. Almost uh, sixteen years this year. Then it would be. That's right. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be sixteen years in uh, in April. Uh, yeah. And you've climbed the corporate ladder at Frank. I'm sure you had to, you know, climb over a, uh, a number of people to reach the exalted oh, my
0: the exalted yeah.
1: position of uh, managing editor uh who owns frank and how many people are currently working there
0: um guy by the name of parker Rutterham owns frank uh he's owned it uh since 2010 um i was a, I was an employee of i was just a reporter at, uh, at frank at the time and uh then i when the owner of the time, the guy who hired me, John Williams, um, decided that he, uh, he was going to sell. Um, he was sort of looking for suitors and I decided to make a play at maybe purchasing it from him. Um, not that I have any money, but you know, get a loan. He wasn't, you know, it's, buying Frank Magazine isn't that expensive. Uh, so it was something that I was looking at, um, all Nova Scotia got a hold of the story that I was looking at buying. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, Mr. Rudderum, uh, Sydney native fellow, um, got wind of it and, uh, decided to, uh, make a, make a play for it. And, uh, I met him and, uh, so, so the deal me, so he bought it and installed me as the, as the, as the owner, uh, as the, as the editor. So I've been running uh, the newsroom for the last uh, ten years, eleven years. Okay. And how, how many people are there? I mean, you've got uh,
1: you know several people who who appear f- fairly frequently, but uh, are there? You know, I'm sure it's a small yeah. Um,
0: it's a it's a pretty small. Uh, I mean, at at the beginning um, back in 2010, I mean, there was you know there was five people uh but uh in recent years it's been a much slimmer operation as far as full-timers um it's it's me and cliff bootlier um cliff uh returned cliff is an original well he he came in an issue three or four in 1987 um but uh but he uh, took some time away uh 10 years ago um unrelated to parker's buying it it just so happened that he left and then then the, then the sale happened a few months after that. Um, but, uh, but Cliff left, uh, for a few years there. Um, he came back five or six years ago. So it's me and Cliff and, uh, who are, who really, you know, write the thing. Um, and Joan Weston, um, who is uh, the longtime copy editor, um, and layout person. Um, she worked, um, she's, she she's been laying the thing out and copy editing uh, since the very beginning. Um, she had a relationship with uh, a employment relationship with, uh, with with David Bentley at the Daily News, right? Uh, she she's she goes back the Daily News back to the late '70s, I believe. And as did Cliff. Uh, Cliff also uh, uh, worked uh, at the Daily News. So um, so yeah. So there's a, so so the three full time people. Uh, you know Joan and Cliff. I mean, they have uh, you know over th- three decades between them. So I- I'm the I'm the newbie there. I've only been there over 16 years. But yeah, so those are the full timers. And as you pointed out, uh, we have uh, people writing uh, regular columns. Doug Saunders. Uh, uh, was a familiar name to anybody that knows anything about uh, media in nova scotia i love doug's uh, work he's a great sports writer sure yeah no he's a, he's a great writer period yeah. it doesn't matter what he's writing he's a, he's a yeah. good writer um bev caddy doing the, the the true crime beat um he's been uh, he's been doing that for a while he, he did some radio stuff beforehand but uh, he really uh he, he really has found his niche with the uh, with the cold case uh, files and uh, Guy Pothier, um, he's been uh, he, he's been writing for us for nine, ten years, something like that now. And our new uh, addition to the freelance staff, Paul Palango, um, has, who has been doing the uh, doing the pic uh, series. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's where we're at right now.
1: Well, that's the thing. People, you know, who aren't too familiar with Frank think it's just uh, satire and. Uh, humor, but in fact, as you pointed out, you've got someone, uh, you know, doing sports. You've got, I mean, Guy is like a, he's writing philosophy almost. Uh, Bev is doing these awesome cold case files. Uh, and now Paul, as you mentioned, doing a a really outstanding job on this, uh, horrific mass murder that took place in our province and in which, you know, there appears to have been, uh, some degree of, you know, Either lack of information from the RCMP or lack of competent,
0: competence from the RCMP. It's uh, it's lack I, of I, staffing. Yeah, uh, understaffed. Uh, there's some incompetence there. There's some mismanaging there, and there's also the X factor. There's something else that you know no, nobody seems to know. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there isn't there isn't there isn't too many things that I can think of that would explain why the rcmp rescued the mexican cartel uh connected uh, friend of gabriel wartman's who uh, made the decals for his car uh, for his uh for his rcm for his fake rcmp vehicle that he drove around in um there aren't too many explanations that I can think of why the RCMP would rescue that guy and his family two hours before they rescued the children of whose parents who are cowering in a basement, uh, whose parents had just been murdered. Uh, They rescued him. They rescued uh, Griffin and his family two hours before uh, those, those kids were rescued. And I, it can't be simply, Incompetence. There has to be another explanation for that.
1: And and Frank's been doing outstanding work on this from the beginning. In fact, uh, and I remember reading it. You you had written a piece uh, about the killer who um, you know before this had happened was working as a I guess a dentist in in Dartmouth, and you you had this odd story about him and this confrontation of sorts that he had with police who had parked at his. Uh, on his property is of his practice and gone to Tim Hortons, I believe it was. Yeah. How chilling or how... Um, I mean, what what was your your reaction when you realized that that guy who you had just written about, I think it was only a month or two beforehand. It did two months, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, that, 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 that that was the guy who had done this.
0: Yeah, um, just uh, absolutely shocking um i got a call on the saturday morning no i'm sorry the sunday morning uh april 19th um i was woken up out of bed at uh, 6 7 o'clock on uh on uh, on april 19th um, from a law enforcement person who i knew Give me gabriel ortman's phone number i know you have it because he just wrote about him in frank two months ago uh yeah it might be on my computer while it's going on uh just you know at a time when law enforcement was desperately trying to track down um, gabriel ortman and so at the time i assumed it was some kind of a domestic thing maybe maybe he was uh maybe he was um you know in his house with a firearm and not letting his wife or girlfriend leave or you know one of those things a standoff sort of thing that that was that was what my uh what my mind jumped to but uh, a few hours later it turned out it was one hell of a lot worse than that a hell of a lot um worse than that but um when he crossed our paths there in uh, early february i guess it was of 2020 um he contacts us and uh he uh, you know uh, with a story about uh, how the uh how he's really pissed off that uh that people are always parking in his private lot you know that who aren't uh, patients of his at the denture clinic customers or whatever that we call people who go to a denture clinic um, and uh, then he told, then he tells us the story about, uh, about these, uh, these cops that, uh, that uses parking lot. And as you say, went to Tim Hortons and uh, cops come back from Tim Hortons and um, they're surprised to see the, um, the, uh, the gate down and he's not letting them leave. In hindsight, it's like, wow, this guy must have a screw or two loose, but boy, the way he laid out the story. The way he laid out that story, it was so just calm and matter of fact, and you know, he, he just, you know, it just it just aggravates him that everybody's using, trying to use his lot for free. You know, he's not he doesn't want to park in a parking garage. You know, he's a, a Uh and uh, you know the, the way he told the story, and uh, and then of course you know you, you you call the cops to 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 confirm it and everything, and you know that they, they confirmed that there was there was an incident. Um, I mean, it, it it didn't turn into anything. Um, eventually, uh, Halifax Police uh, sent more and more people there to sort of talk him down. And to, I mean, there was no there was no there was no violence or even threat of violence or anything like that. It was just basically they needed a they needed a calm uh, uh, person to say, "We're really sorry. We won't do this ever again." And my apologies. You know, yeah. so, somebody had to calmly sort of extricate police from the situation and uh and uh and and did and you know everybody went about their business and then uh two months later it goes off
1: yeah and i as i said i think i think frank stanton um great work on on this story from the very beginning i'm wondering what your assessment is of other media in nova scotia and
0: how they've covered it there's been there's been good work. I mean, um, um, Andrew Rankin's uh, piece uh, a month ago, just before Christmas, about uh, Warman and uh, and his abusive father um, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that was some that was some prime, you know, that was some prime stuff um globals uh, sarah Ritchie and global have been doing uh, a podcast and uh, you know they're really getting into the weeds um you know there, there there's been some there's been some very good work but there's also been some you you would expect more of it you you would you would expect if this had happened if this had happened 20 years ago well i mean first of all there aren't as many reporters on the ground now, as there were 20 years ago, um, but if this had happened at a time when when media was better staffed and also more willing to go to wherever the story would take you, like reporters used to do back in the day, um, we would we would see a lot more. Uh, because I mean, you know, Andrew Rankin. Uh, speaking of Andrew Rankin's piece, uh, um, he got a lot of blowback about that story. Um, he got a lot of we don't people saying we don't want to know anything about Gabriel Warman. Stop using his not not just stop using his name, but stop digging into his past and stop trying to explain why he did what he did, and focus on the victims and don't focus on. And I mean, that's a. I have a real hard time getting my head around somebody who feels that way. I mean, I come from a place where this thing happened. I want to know as much as I possibly can about why it happened, about who did it, who was around them. You know, every single fact that you can possibly glean but there's there seems to be more and more people who don't want that sort of information i mean you know whether it's you know i, I don't know what you call it um sensitivities political correctness whatever you want to call it um, but there's there's an awful lot of people on social media especially every day demanding that Stop telling me things. I don't want reporters telling me things. But don't, but you can tell me things, but don't only tell me these things. Don't tell me these other things.
1: Just tell me what I want to hear. Tell I, me I, what I want
0: to hear. Yeah. I I
1: think uh, you know, Andrew. I'm in complete agreement with you on this. Um, you know, I I have a background in journalism also, and and I believe that a story this significant with so many unanswered questions begs to be covered as aggressively as possible. And if our goal is to understand what happened and why in order to prevent, you know, future episodes like this, you know, these horrific acts, then we have to do these investigations, not just from a police point of view, for but from a journalistic point of view as well.
0: Yeah, we, um, um, in the first issue after the, uh, the shooting, um, Cliff called uh, Lyndon McIntyre and uh, and had a talk and linden went off about uh, tr- it had just just been a few days after trudeau made his statement about don't use his name you know don't don't put him on a you know whatever don't use his name and all that stuff and and we don't need to know anything about him and and linden's like i hate that I'm just paraphrasing here, <laughs> but Lyndon was you know something along the lines of I hate the fact that I want to know anything about this Cretan, this bastard that did this. But I but I think for our own for society's own safety, we have to know as much as possible about somebody who would do something like this. It's just common sense.
1: Uh, I'm going to shift gears here because I I really do want to talk about the magazine for, for people that perhaps have never read it, uh, who've only heard about it through social media or, you know, someone complaining about it because there is a, you know, you've got people that love you, people that hate you, people that love to hate you for someone who's not familiar with Frank, how would you describe it to them?
0: Um, a scandal sheet at heart, I guess. Um I mean really um thinking about the, that thing you wrote about us um last year I think captures the the essence of uh, of what it's all about I mean you know we there is satire there is humor we also break a lot of stories about movers and shakers but not just movers and shakers uh, about the 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 we poke fun at everybody, whether they're movers and shakers, or they're movers and shakers within the social justice warrior cabal, or, I mean, it's about a lot of things. Um, and you never, you, you say I'm the guy that runs a place, but it, it it runs itself. It, it just is what, we, Frank's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Beyond the pick stuff that we've been really diving hard into. I mean, we published eight articles in the last five or six weeks from from Palango. And there's, and there's more to come. I mean, I'm expecting his next article anytime. Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, when you open up a copy of Frank magazine, you could find a Halifax Regional Police uh, um, officer in the soup, um, who did something dumb and got caught, um, and then management buried it. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, and, and then and then when we do that story, it'll turn into we'll hear about one or two other things. And then and then all of a sudden there seems to be a lot of Halifax and police stuff in there. But it's just we just go wherever, wherever the winds take us. And sometimes they take us, you know, into into places that get us in trouble, I guess.
1: By wins, I think you're referring, at least in part, to tips, because you guys must get a lot of tips. I, I, I'm I'm imagining that's the source of a, a lot of your stories.
0: Yeah, I know, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, it might have been that Pete Stevens guy uh, on Twitter the other day called us the A-team the a of, uh, of Nova Scotia uh, journalism, you know. Yeah, if you have a story and nobody knows you know the, the, the whole he, he went he went through the 18 thing and i thought i i, I sort of like that um but yeah no uh we we do get a shitload of tips we get a lot of tips um i mean only a small percentage of them turn into stories but i I just got one today. the father-in-law of powerful nova scotia politician um gets caught uh, exposing himself to little boys a couple of years ago, but it never came to charges because uh, connected and powerful politician and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, and I mean, as I say, it, it, that's just a tip. And I mean, we haven't we haven't run it down and I haven't confirmed it. I have no idea if it's true or not. And the problem with the logistics of, of, of running this operation is that a lot of those tips don't turn into anything. So, I mean, you take all this, you know, then there's only two, as I said, two full time reporters in the newsroom when you spend a whole lot of time trying to run down, to trying to corroborate tips. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, turns out that's not true at all. And then now you got nothing to write, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a real, uh, it's an adventure. Frank magazine is a real adventure. Uh, you, um, you never know what the day is going to bring. I mean, there's a reason why I've been there for 16 years. I mean, it's, uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun, uh, you know? <laughs> it's fun to read. And I imagine you're
1: mentioning these tips that, you know, because you guys are one of the only media outlets that, you know, you've got the guts to tackle some stories that other outlets just would not touch. I think that actually would probably lead to more tips, but also some that might be of the, vexatious nature someone with an axe to grind and just trying to get you to settle a personal score for them
0: yeah yeah definitely uh, you always have to look at that um but sometimes the person calling with an axe to grind well it's fine they gotta grind their axe but what they're grinding it with is some pretty interesting stuff and mm-hmm. then you fact check it and holy shit it's true yeah. so i don't care if they're trying to grind an axe <laughs> yeah. or not this is a good story you know I mean, it, it, I mean, you you always have to take that into account. Um, But, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, if it's a good story, it's a good story. Well, we know
1: in the last year or so that Frank magazine has been treated very poorly by both the provincial government and by the Nova Scotia RCMP and that's been well documented in your pages. And hopefully people will, who haven't read the magazine will pick it up and, and see what it's all about. But I'm wondering. How are you treated by other media? So, for example, when reporters used to go out to in person to, you know, press conferences and different events, what kind of reception do you get from people from, you know, CBC or the Chronicle Herald or, you know, wherever?
0: I mean, it just depends on who it is individually. I mean, there are some exceptions. Uh, I mean, generally very well. I mean, uh, I think there's a, a... I think there's some amount of respect, however begrudging it is, and then there's also just the the reflex of no matter what people think, they just tend to be generally polite. I mean, I mean, people. I'm talking about people that aren't on the internet, um, but uh, but yeah, in person, um, it, it's 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 never it's never been an issue. Uh, uh at all um we went to um there's only one time i can think of the top of my head off the top of my head okay maybe two times that uh, that uh, other media has been dicks to me personally um both occurred at the atlantic journalism awards the first time was this is about 10 years ago now Um, this is back when uh, Ian Thompson was still at the Chronicle Herald. This is back when the Atlantic Journalism Awards was still, I don't, I don't want to say a big deal, but there was still, you know, uh, the Chronicle Herald would have 15 people at their, at their table at the Atlantic Journalism Awards. And so, you know, somebody won whatever award and, uh, and, uh, and I was at the table sort of taking pictures and Ian Thompson turned around and, pretty near bit my head off it was, it was don't you have any respect man and uh, you know we're trying to blah 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 you know this is a guy who's I i can't remember what his job title was at the at the uh, at the herald but he had a pretty um, he was pretty high up there in the uh, you know but um anyway he um i got an apology he apologized to me for that uh, oh, wow. and, uh, a few days later he i think he's sort of a hothead um, but, um, and then a few years ago, um, it might've been 2018. Uh, no, it was 2019. We had just written a story that was sort of unflattering to news 95.7. Oh, when they're, um,
1: when they're, they're interned,
0: when, 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 when they're, when they're traffic guy, when they're traffic <laughs> intern guy, yes, that, this one, yeah. their traffic intern guy, um had that fatal hit and run, uh, in Dartmouth and then just went to work like nothing had happened. Um, so we wrote, this is, so this is in the winter of 2019. We write the story about that. And then, so cut to a couple months later, May of 2019 at the, at the, um, awards ceremony, um, the, uh, the now news director of news 95.7, who used to be just the, uh, Dan Allstrand. Oh my God. If looks good kill, I would be. <laughs> hi how you doing but uh but yeah i know i mean uh mostly it's um mostly people are uh mostly people want to chat actually i mean you know they're reporters they want to have a they want to have a talk and uh, and some and the, of them are
1: indebted to you because they're boring your stories a week or two after you publish them they strangely appear in the sometimes, that, uh, sometimes that
0: does happen. Yeah,
1: or on the public broadcaster, for example. Sometimes
0: that does happen. Sometimes that does happen. Um, but uh, you know, I, more often than not, I mean, I was just going to go into a thing about again about how newsrooms are sort so short-staffed and everything, but the CBC is not short-staffed, um, and and that was a direction I was going in when you're asking about what I thought of the Pick coverage, um, considering the size and heft of their newsroom in, in, in Nova Scotia and in New Brunswick too um, and across Canada, obviously when I'm talking to uh, Hortman um, originally from New Brunswick, but they didn't really come up with much of anything at all. Um, they just did the, they just did the, um, you know, reporting by RCMP press release sort of deal uh, was was really all we got from the CBC. It seemed to be the yeah.
1: bare minimum from the Nova Scotia CBC. I think the fifth estate did a did a
0: decent job. The fifth estate did a did a decent job for sure. Um, they, I mean, they stayed away from some from some angles that would have made it. I mean, if you'd never heard of. Of of what happened, if you were from the states or, or or something and you'd never heard of what happened, I would definitely recommend the Fifth Estate broadcast as something you should watch um, that would give you a real good primer on uh, on what happened uh, on that weekend. But for an investigative journalistic pursuit, I think it sort of fell a bit short. I think for a for a, a macro view. Um, a uh, bottom line documentary i think they did a half decent job but um but they didn't really get into the weeds they 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 left a lot on the table that uh, that they could have done uh, i mean uh, leon jowdry um was interviewed in that uh in the fifth estate leon jowdry was um, the portapic uh, homeowner who answered his door at, 6 30 in the morning uh that sunday morning and lisa banfield was there gabriel Wortman's um common-law wife and uh she wasn't she was barefoot and 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 in uh, yoga pants and not wearing a coat and had just uh, makeup was fine and but she said she had just come out of the woods uh, and she'd been there for six or seven or eight hours And it was below zero that night. And uh, Leon Javry doesn't believe at all that's what happened. And he told the Fifth Estate documentary crew that, but that didn't make it into the documentary. Hmm. Um, So, I mean, you know, um, I, on on the provincial level, I think the CBC dropped the ball on the national level. I would argue that they dropped the ball too, uh, considering the um, considering the number of uh, you know uh, the number of reporters and uh, and, and people they have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would I would I would expect more. And 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 going back to you know when I was saying twenty years ago, um, the stories that 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 would be coming out about this would be a lot different. And twenty years ago, the CBC would have gone at that would be going at this story a lot differently. Yeah.
1: So, Andrew, it's, I don't need to tell you this, but of course we live in an increasingly unfunny, easy to offend and kind of cancel happy society. Does that worry you as the editor of a magazine that's rooted in satire and humor? Are you concerned about the viability of the Frank
0: model going forward? I mean, I know what you're saying. Uh, And I mean, it's the sort of thing that we experience constantly. Um, we've had a an uptick of of readership over our pit coverage, um, and just the other day I put out a, a, a satirical uh, graphic um, making fun of um, the RCMP's number two man in Nova Scotia, Chris Leather, and how he seems to be easily satisfied curiously easily satisfied with everything uh he was uh, satisfied with the the communications of the rcmp on the night of april 18th and the morning of april 19th and then just the other week he declared himself to be supremely satisfied uh, with the timing of the emergency alert that went out over that uh, situation in amherst and so we had a satirical piece about here are some other things that Chris Leather is satisfied with, and it was just silly shit. Um, this the sort of stuff that Frank has been doing for you know thirty years. And this uh, this person who had come on board um, because of the uh, because of the Fortapik coverage just went at us on Twitter. I can't remember what she said exactly, but oh my God, Frank. Your stock went up in my eyes because of, uh, of what you guys have been doing and what you guys have been doing since, uh, you know, for the last eight months, but then you go and ruin it with this. I mean, come on. And I'm like, listen, lady, I didn't say this to her, but I can say it to her now, you know, uh, it, 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 it it's what we it's what we do. I mean, if you can't, if you can't take the fact that there's a serious side to Frank and there's a satirical and humorous side to Frank, then I don't know what to tell you. There's
1: also, I think, just an issue in society where we need something to reflect us totally. We need to, it to agree with us entirely. Um, yeah. There are some things, in Frank, that I have not enjoyed, that I have not found funny. There's a few things that I found bothered me, but on whole, as a whole, it's an excellent publication. And you mentioned. Uh, I wrote a blog post uh, maybe ten or eleven months ago. Uh, and I just said what a great publication it is. And I don't need to to love a hundred percent of what you do yeah. to to read and enjoy uh, your magazine any more than I do with uh, you know podcasts I listen to or or you know news programs I watch. and i I just wonder that that's the the thing that concerns me is that. People are so easily offended, and uh, you know an example of something you guys crossed a line. I don't know when this was, maybe two years ago. The cartoon of Al Jones, and there were people out to cancel you. I thought the cartoon was in was in poor taste. I thought anyone that that saw that rendering of Al Jones would would see that it was offensive. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you should be shut down. And uh taken off of supermarket racks. But you did have to uh I think about a year ago reduce your print schedule from uh I think it was a bi-weekly to a monthly. Yep. And I'm just wondering, like again, is that a is that a warning sign or is that just you shifting gears because of the new realities of, yeah, it's, of it's, media?
0: It's just it's just shifting gears because of the new reality. That's an excellent way to put it. Um the print edition of frank magazine will die before frank magazine dies i'm not saying it's it, it, the prints only got a year left it's only got a two years left but if if you if you're being realistic whether any any prints uh media whether it's the chronicle herald or whether it's the new york times will eventually stop publishing a paper edition because it just makes more sense it just makes more sense uh, to be online, um, especially in your case because the magazine doesn't have ads. Yeah, that, well, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, um, there's no no question about it. Um, but um, but to your point about um, how people have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, when you know the they, they they like something a lot, but then there's this one thing that they don't like. Well, I can't do this anymore, and and, and it all gets you know. I mean, um, I keep going back to social media, but there are a lot of voices on social media, including here in 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 Nova Scotia, um, talking about now CNN or MSNBC or CBC or whoever. If any of you decide to. Cover Donald Trump's um, uh, speech at Andrews Air Force Base uh, this morning. Um, I'm done with you. I'm not watching you anymore. Like, people are just so. People don't like seeing shit that doesn't that they don't agree with. They just they just don't like it, uh, and I and I can't and I can't explain it really. I, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I hate read all the time uh i mean you know i i I get enjoyment from things i like and then i also get enjoyment from things that i hate i mean you, you can you can enjoy all sorts of stuff but yes thank you for not uh canceling frank over that l jones cartoon i really appreciate that scott i love
1: frank i uh i'm one of your most loyal readers and i highly encourage anyone who's listening Give it a chance if you've never read it. Don't listen to people being critical on social media. There is some really good journalism in there. You're guaranteed to laugh out loud several times when you're going through the magazine. And uh, I I just think it's a a real um, important publication in Nova Scotia. And this past year has shown it to be valuable to not only informing residents, but holding people in powerful positions to account. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. Andrew, I want to thank you again for joining me. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me, Scott. You got a good podcast here.
1: That wraps up this episode of the Trailblazers and Troublemakers podcast. Thanks very much for listening in. If you have any feedback for us, you can send an email to trailtroublepod at gmail.com and please follow us on Twitter at TrailtroublePod. Hope you'll join us next time. Bye for now.